episode 14 of Talking About My Generation, a pop culture podcast dedicated to the children of the 80s, 90s, and even into the 21st century. If you're new to the show, welcome. On this podcast, we'll discuss movies, video games, and television shows that we grew up on. This week again, I am joined by Eva Stanley here, uh, my friend from Connecticut. Uh, she's going to join <laughs> us here, and we're going to be talking about... Well, it's not really one of our favorite movies, but we're still going to talk about it anyway because it's going on in the John Hughes spotlight here. Uh, we're going to talk about Pretty in Pink, which is an 86, 1986 American teen romantic comedy drama film. All righty. Uh, really, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and let you kind of start in on this here. What were your thoughts on and memories on this movie? Okay, well... <sighs> I did not really care for it. I Even as a kid, I saw it, and we were nine when it came out, and I saw it, and because I really, really idolized Molly Ringwald um, when I was younger, I think that was, I, I might have had higher expectations for the movie, um, but I, I saw it anyway because, I, of course, she was in it, and I really idolized her. Um, I thought she looked really, really pretty in it, um, but I just, I... Uh, I did not <laughs> to me I just thought it was the ultimate cheesy movie. I yeah. just yeah. And there I were... still and I've watched it throughout. I have the DVD. I have a Molly Ringwald kind of collection, John Hughes collection. So I felt like I needed to include it in that collection because it is a Hughes Molly Ringwald movie. But it's just not one of my favorites. Yeah, I mean I remember seeing when I when I, I remember going to, you know, the theater and I remember as a kid Seeing this movie with Molly Ringwald, Pretty in Pink, and you know, I was kind of like, okay, you know, it yeah. didn't. I remember seeing ad, you know, advertising for it in the theaters. It was kind of like, okay, well, that's a movie that I probably should go see at some point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but like, because all my friends were talking about at that time, they were talking about seeing Weird Science, or they were oh. talking about seeing uh, Sixteen Candles, and how much they loved those films. Yeah. And so I was kind of exactly. like, okay, cool. You know, and this one here was kind of long that it had Molly Ringwald in it, and everybody's like, oh, and then everybody said, oh, well, John Cryer is hilarious. You know, and I'm kind of yeah. like, okay. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, yeah, I'm hearing all this from my friends who are, you know, same age as me, and they're kind of like, oh, this is a, you know, we kind of like this movie. So I'm like, okay. I still, I, I have to be honest, I never saw the movie until we, I watched it for this episode. Oh, really? So mm -hmm. I, I really didn't have any idea what this movie was about. Uh, well, I shouldn't say, you know, I did see bits and pieces of it. Like, I saw the very end of it at one point. I knew who John Cryer's character was, in a sense. Yeah, Ducky, yeah. But, I mean, I didn't know, like, the character names. I didn't know what the whole story was about until I saw it. And I yeah. was kind of like, when I did see it, I was kind of like, well, this is a shit. It's not, yeah, I have to say, you know, I love John Hughes, but this was not one of his better movies. It just was not, he didn't direct it. He had a different director, and I don't, I don't know if that really has any bearing on it, but the script was just terrible. The, yeah. you know, in my opinion, it just did not, I, I, I love a good romantic comedy. I love a good romantic drama, don't get yeah. me wrong, and this one just didn't. I my big thing my big gripe about it I as much as I love Molly Ringwald I did not I do not like Andrew McCarthy and I I can't tell you why he's a good looking guy he's not a, he's not a bad actor I just don't really care for him so maybe that kind of you know from the beginning the movie was doomed because of that I do like John Cryer but I didn't like in and the ducky role was cute and it was over the top but I just did not like 
Molly Ringwald and Andrew McCarthy getting together. I yeah. I think I was like most of the girls and the people who saw this movie when it came out and thought, you know what? No, Andy should have ended up with Ducky at the end. So maybe yeah. that's that. Maybe that's a big gripe that I have about it too. Is that may, I think that those two, John Cryer's character and Molly Ringwald's character, should have gotten together at the end. Um, so it kind of ruined it for me just because of that. And then it, it wasn't as funny as the other movies yeah. that Hughes has done. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm going to put this here with because there's a bunch of Hughes movies that we're not going to cover, and they just they suck. That's part of yeah. the reason why we're not covering them. Yeah, uh, I'm going to rate this here. Out of the John Hughes movies, I'm going to put this right next to Baby's Day Out. Oh, good. In my opinion, which yes, Baby's yes. Day Out was probably one of the worst ones that he ever oh. did. Oh, it, it's. I'm just going to say this for people who haven't <sighs> seen it. It's basically a slapstick kind of thing. It looks like it looks like he took the Three Stooges and had them follow a baby around oh. in New York for a day, who was yes. supposed to be going through. Okay, for my Animaniacs fans, if you ever watched. Uh, if you ever saw the Buttons and Mindy clips where it shows Mindy going through and Buttons is chasing her, trying to keep her out of out of uh, getting hurt, that's Baby's Day Out. Oh, God, okay. it's awful. It's like watching – the entire movie is like watching one of those little film clip shorts. And uh, then you got these three bumbling idiots that are trying to follow follow the baby as the baby's running around. Because I guess if I remember correctly, like the baby had a diamond or something that these guys wanted to steal or some bullshit like that. It was horrible. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that you know that, and then you got Home Alone two, Home Alone three, Home oh, Alone God, four. No. Oh God! No. Okay. Yeah. Baby's Day Out is below those. Oh, so I'd that, say. You know, oh, that should put stars? you right there. Yeah, three yeah. out of ten, maybe. Oh, yeah, you awful. know, okay, it, it's just bad. Pretty in Pink. I'm rating it right around there. Yeah, I, I did not say, like this. I'd say probably a five, and that's being generous because I, as a yeah. girl, I did like. The outfits, the costuming in this movie. I pay attention yeah. to soundtrack, and I liked the soundtrack. I liked the clothing. I liked um, Andy's character. I liked Andy's character. She was a strong underdog, and that's kind of a oxymoron, but she was a strong underdog. And I liked that, and I thought it was great, and I identified with that. Um, I didn't like her choosing Andrew McCarthy, but, you know, so there are, there are aspects of this movie that I did like. Yeah. Overall, I'd say yeah, I'd I'd give it a five out of ten, and well, it's just and that's a shame because I love John Hughes movies and I yeah. love Molly Ringwald, but this one, yeah. Well, let's kind of jump into the characters a little bit. We'll sure. talk about the cast here. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, we have some of the stars here. We have Molly Ringwald, who she's been in a bunch of movies. Again, if you haven't been listening to the podcast, let me reiterate some of the crap that she's done. <laughs> uh, you know, Sixteen Candles, Breakfast Club, uh, Townies. Uh, not another teen movie. She had a cameo appearance in that. Uh, again, coming back to Secret Life of uh, American Teenager, where she plays a single, uh, single mom who's a lesbian. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, just she's done a bunch of things, and it's like, okay, this here was actually kind of her last John Hughes film, and part of the reason that she did this here is the, this ended up being her last one was because she wanted to move away from the teen film genre. Yes, and. John Hughes kind of was like – he was kind of pissed off the fact that she said, no, I don't really want to do this. I want to do more adult-type roles. Yeah. Adult being I want to do something that's more grown up than what I'm currently playing. 
she was, I think she was 17 filming this. So she was going on 18 growing up, you know, graduating high school. In fact, uh, it's a trivia, it's a trivia bit, but she was actually taking her final exams during the filming of this movie. And she, I can totally identify with that. She's been a child actress. She wants to, you know, she's turning 18. She's graduating high school. She wants to move on. I completely, I, I can understand John Hughes's standpoint too, because he specifically wrote Pretty in Pink for her. And, you know, they had a really good collaboration and they, and they really seemed to get each other and they worked well together. <laughs> Excuse me. But yeah, it, I can completely identify it at, at 17, 18 after graduation. We all want to be yeah. adults and grown up and, and move on from being and not be considered a kid and be independent. So yeah. I get it. Now, next character we have, we had uh, Harry Dean Stanton. He played uh, Andy's father, Jack Walsh. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Harry Dean Stanton. I I love this guy. He's oh, he's in everything. Yeah. He has he's and a lot of it has been like smaller roles, but you uh-huh. see him in a bunch of things. Oh, uh, he's in a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. He was he was toot toot in the Green Mile. Yep. Uh, he played a guy named Brain in Escape from New York, which yep. I have to say, people are probably going to get on me for this. I love those movies just because they were so bad, they were cheesy, and they were oh, enjoyable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, Kurt Russell playing Snake Plissken. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Um, he had – he was – oh, God. And if you ever watched the HBO series Big Love. No, but I've heard of it. He was the prophet. Okay, oh. now he was – what it was is that he was the head of a compound mm-hmm. on the show where uh, it was basically a polygamy compound. Mm-hmm. And he had a bunch of wives. And it was, I mean, like, he was creepy. Like, you see him and he's kind of, he wears this cowboy hat through the thing. And he's kind of like, he's trying to tell everybody, oh, you know, this is a normal way of life. And we all love each other here. But it was very much, you know, he he had this Mormon belief. And, like, all the women that lived on the compound were supposed to dress a certain way. They were all supposed to wear, like, gingham and aprons. And it looked like something straight out of, you know, Laura Ingalls Wilder. You know, wow. Little House on the Prairie type thing. And it was just like, yeah. you're looking, you're like, what the hell? But then you see him, he goes out to see everybody. And he's driving around in, you know, a $60,000, $80,000 Hummer. <laughs> and, you know, and he's got like, he's got him and his son. And they're all driving around this stuff. And he's like, I am the prophet. And I'm going to sing, you know, and I'm going to be this person. You know, and it's just like, you start to see that he's really kind of an evil son of a bitch. Oh, wow. Um, so, I mean, but he plays – and you see him at first. Like when he first shows up, he's kind of like, oh, okay. You think of him as this kind of nice, lovable father of one of the one of the girls. And then you realize he's a slimy son of a bitch because he's doing things like – he puts his own daughter. He puts one of his own daughters into what they call uh, the joy books, which, oh. again, if you've been listening, if you watch the uh, presidential elections back when Obama and I forget who whoever it was that was running – the guy made a big stink about talking about joy books, and basically okay. what it is is it's it's a book that they put girls in on these polygamy compounds, uh-huh. where guys can where the guys can come along and choose their wives. Oh, gotcha. Uh huh. And it was it was really kind of slimy, but I mean that was that was big love, and he played an excellent role in it. And it was just kind of like. Ooh, I've never seen this side of Harry Dean Stanton before. Yeah, he's one of those actors that can do, you know, he's got a broad range and he can pull off pretty much anything. Yeah. Uh, 
and he's very understated. You don't really know necessarily know him by name, but you know his face. But he's just so yeah. talented, quietly talented. Yeah. And I, I'm going to throw one more thing out, one more role that he did, another small role that he did, but most recently that I remember. Uh-huh. Uh, he recently showed up in uh, Mar- the Marvel, Disney Marvel, The Avengers. That's right. Uh, he, that. he played a yes. little part where he was like, I want to say he was like a security guard or janitor or something like that. Yep. He's walking the streets after the Hulk has crashed through and Mark Ruffalo turns back into himself. He goes from the Hulk back to Bruce Banner. Yeah. And he's kind of recovering and he's standing there with no clothes and he kind of goes, you know, and Harry Dean Stanton says, oh, yeah. He goes, I saw what happened. He goes, I'm glad you're here. You know, help out and help save the city. And he throws him like some clothes or something like that. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And that's basically it. He has this small yeah. role, but it's it's kind of like he kind of helps – he kind of helps, you know, further the plot along in a sense, in that he helps Mark Ruffalo's character realize that hey, maybe what you can do is you can do some good. Yes, yes, and so, that's great that he's still working, like we talked about with other, you know. Yeah, the, yeah, it's great that he's still working. You know, glad to see that. But yeah, let's move on to the next character here. Uh, I kind of liked, you know, I like this guy, and I kind of hate him. Uh, oh. John Cryer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he he's had a bunch of roles. He plays he plays in this movie. He plays Philip F. Ducky Dale, uh-huh. uh, who basically he he's madly in love with Andy, uh-huh. and she just kind of like, look, you're a dork, you're a friend, but you're a dork. Yeah, yeah. You know? she doesn't take him seriously. Yeah. But John Cryer has played in a bunch of things, and oh yeah, he, he always seems to play. Oh, thank you, neighbor's dog. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, sorry about that, folks. Uh, John Cryer, he plays really – I don't know. He played like this goofy, off-the-wall character in this. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like he plays the same character. It, it, you see it in uh, – when he did the famous Teddy Z on CBS uh-huh. uh, back in back in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh-huh. Okay. I remember that. Yeah. I, I, you know, he's supposed to be Teddy Zakalakopus or something like that. Zakalakopus uh, or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, and then he played in, now this one, I thought he did an okay role. Uh, he played in a movie called Morgan Stewart's Coming Home. I and not, uh, yeah. It's kind of like Ferris Bueller. Uh-huh. He doesn't really talk to the camera, but it's, it's of that type of style. Like you see it and it looks just like, it looks like something John, you know, John Hughes would have written. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, well, I shouldn't say he doesn't talk to the camera because he does kind of talk in like story mode, like he narrates and he talks about his mom. Uh-huh. Uh, his his mom is just like completely crazy. She believes in vegetarian, you know, vegan vegetarian life only, and this is how everybody's going to live in the house. He was originally sent off to boarding school, and he's finally coming back from boarding school to live uh-huh. at home with his family. And he hasn't seen him for like he hasn't seen him for like ten years. Oh wow! So it's this kind of just really weird crazy thing and he's like coming home and he's he's kind of coming out of his shell while he's doing this and he's kind of he's kind of meeting things like he's meeting girls for the first time mm-hmm. is he uh, kind of crazy like like an over the top like he is in this movie in pretty in pink in no, that role that's no? just it he plays him he plays a more subdued character uh-huh i mean like he he's seen things like he wants to he wants to bring his mom into the world and kind of say hey look you know this Republican high life lifestyle that you're living of being perfect and everything of, you know, capitalism and everything isn't necessarily everything that you need to live. 
Yeah. You know, go yeah. out and live a little. Try a hamburger for something, you know. <laughs> and it, he actually, when he comes home and he starts kind of coming out of his shell, he goes to McDonald's. Uh-huh. And he bumps into his dad while he's there. Oh, and his uh-huh. dad's like, shh, don't tell your mother. <laughs> You know, well, so it's kind of it's kind of that thing. And I, I like that particular movie, uh, yeah. but when I've seen him in, you know, Two and a Half Men, mm-hmm. and you know, Famous Teddy Z, it's Ducky all over again. Oh, uh-huh. he's playing Ducky. It's that so same he, goofy character. Yeah, I mean, which he does very well, and I did like Ducky's character, with the exception of the way he stalked Andy. I did, you know, and he was a little over the top and a little annoying. Um, but he's a likable character, a sympathetic yeah. character for sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, people do like him. I, I just, I, I have to say that when I saw him dressed up when he first shows up in the film, uh-huh. walking through the halls of the high school, I took yeah. one look and went, "Holy shit, he's Boy George!" <laughs> exactly. you, you know, in the rings and everything, and the way he's moving, I'm like, "Yeah, he he's looks gay. gay. He's he gay. Looks Why so the hell?" Gay. You know, even as a kid, even as a kid, not understanding, you know, homosexuality, I thought there's something wrong with him. There's something yes. off. There's something he's he looks he and, and I couldn't figure it out until probably teenage years. I'm going, he looks gay. Absolutely. Yeah. I thought the same thing. And it's, you know, it. what I do like about that is that he had the courage to be himself. He had the courage yeah. to be that way. And I do love that. And I, you know, I think it's wonderful. Um, just like Andy had the courage to be herself and, and dress eclectically and, and whatnot. But yeah, it was very almost too overdone. I think. Yeah. You know, it's just, it, it was okay, but you know, yeah. that's, that's part of why I didn't care for it. You know, again, yeah. there, there are certain fashions of the eighties that really should have stayed dead, but we'll get to oh, that when yeah. we get into the fashion portion of this. Oh yeah. Uh, moving on here for the cast list, the next character we have, uh, it was Iona, played by Annie Potts. Uh-huh. Uh, she did great. You know, I have to say, normally I don't much care for Annie Potts. She's always yeah. been this kind of like very staid and, you know, depressing type of character when I see her. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, but when I saw her in this, I, I got to say, she was pretty hot. You know, I she thought she looked hot. good. Yeah, she was hot I at that time. She you know. was. Yeah, Especially, she did a really good job. I thought that she and they they made her, you know, dressed her younger and her character was hip and you know, I mean, she was, you know, 15 years older than, you know, so I guess that puts her at, you know, early 30s, but she respond, you know, re, uh, reacted or interacted really well with Molly Ringwald's character. I I loved her in this movie. Yeah, you know, I mean, there were some outfits yeah. that she was wearing. I was like, "Swing." Well, <laughs> the rubber dress, right? Yeah. <laughs> You know, I, I gotta say, I, I didn't think that she was all that hot until I saw that, and I'm like, okay, Damn. <laughs> okay, you know, birth of a chubby, hey. Eh? <laughs> oh, that's funny. But yeah, she played. She kind of played as as you know Andy's Andy's best friend type of thing, and she yeah, ran the uh, record store where Andy worked. Yeah. Uh, she has been in a bunch of other things here. Uh, okay. You know. Namely, she was uh, Janine on Ghostbusters. She was the uh, secretary for Ghostbusters. Yep. Uh, she played on Designing Women. Designing I, Women, yep. I forget what character she played on there, but uh, she was a de- like a detective or a cop or something on Joan of Arc. Uh, uh-huh. She played Lucy Preston. Yep. Uh, she was also uh, the teacher, Luance Johnson, on the TV series Dangerous Minds, which was based on the uh, – uh, Michelle Pfeiffer movie, A Dangerous Mind. Yes, 
Yes, that's right. Uh, and then, of course, if anybody has seen, you know, that little Pixar film, which kind of really helped make him popular. Um, what was it called? Oh, that's right. Toy Story. <laughs> she was Bo Peep in Toy Story. Toy Story. Uh-huh. So. That's right. Yes. You know, and I, I don't remember. I have to go back and watch it because it's been a while since I've seen it. Mm-hmm. But Me I want to say she showed up in Toy Story 2 as well, but I don't remember off the top of my head. So yeah. I apologize, folks. It's been a while. It's been probably five, six years since I've seen the movie. So mm-hmm. trying to remember it here, it's hard on me. I apologize she, for that. She has a very big resume for sure. Yes. Uh, moving on down the list here, we have another guy. I don't know about this guy. I, I've had mixed feelings about him and everything I've seen him in. Uh-huh. James Spader. Yes, me too. Uh, me too. He plays yep. a Steph McKee, which I always thought was kind of an interesting name for a guy, but – you know. Steph, yeah, and I don't know if Steph is a nickname for Stefan or Stefan. Um, that's kind of my guess, but yeah, he was yeah. an asshole in this. Oh yeah, oh. he was. Well, and the whole reason was that he couldn't have Andy. He wanted to buy yeah. her. He was he was the rich asshole who could buy anything that he wanted except yeah. her. Except her, yeah. You know, uh, yeah, but he, I don't I don't care for him much either. Him or Andrew McCarthy, I just ugh. yeah. But no, he he plays. Um, he's actually had quite a few roles. Uh, mm-hmm. Since this film, he played as Roger Barnes in Wall Street, uh, yep. Max Barron in White Palace, yep. Alan Shore on uh, the long-running uh, TV series The Practice, and uh, Boston Legal. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was also played as Robert California in the Steve Carell version of The Office. Oh, wow. Okay. So in the NBC one that was here running in the U.S., uh-huh. uh, as opposed to the, the original U.K. version, which I thought was much better. Oh, wow. I've but, never seen that. I'll have to check that out. Oh, yeah. Rick, Ricky Gervais plays as um, – he kind of plays as Steve Carell's character. Uh-huh. I like him. Yeah. Oh, God. He was so much funnier. I mean there was oh. – one of the scenes that I remember best about it when I first was introduced to it, uh, <laughs> he's sitting there and he's trying to tell everybody in in the thing, well, you know, we have new filters on the internet, so you, it, it's filtered. So if you were to put in, you know, Dutch, teeny – uh, you know, naked teens, sex, blowjob, masturbation, dildos. Uh-huh. Well, you see this image that comes up? Well, you shouldn't normally be able to get to that. Uh- <laughs> and it's just the way he goes about this. And it's kind of like you're pulling all this stuff out and you're talking about all these search topics. And yeah, one, the, the creepy thing with that was, one, how did you know what all the search topics were? Uh-huh. Two... <laughs> Why are you looking at this stuff? <laughs> you know. Oh, that's funny. So it's just kind of creepy, but. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I just didn't like James Spader. I, I never really have liked him. Neither have I. You know, yep. I, I know people love him. Uh, you he's know, a I, fucking guy, but and, you know, he's not a bad actor. I just and, don't. I don't really. Re- I don't know what it is. Yeah. And you know what? It just dawned on me. There was one other thing that a lot of. A lot of sci-fi people will remember, and I just – I completely forgot about it and spaced about it until just now. Uh-huh. He was in the movie Stargate with Kurt Russell. Yes, he was. Yep. Okay, film. I love the concept. Obviously, it was good enough to bring in a TV series that ran for like six years, I think, six, seven uh-huh. years. And it's still running in syndication now. Mm-hmm. So it's not a bad show. No. Uh, but not one of my favorite characters. You know, not oh. – I, I just didn't care for, for Spader, so – uh, moving on down the list again, we come back to the next person here that neither one of us really like is Andrew McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played as Bladen McDonough, 
who was a rich preppy boy, uh, kind of the object of Andy's uh, affections. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's kind of like – he was just kind of – I don't know. I, I, I kept thinking this guy's a rich wimp. He's a, exactly. He's a rich wimp. He's a fucking weakling. That was something that bugged me about the movie too. He, you know what? For all his money and his good looks and popularity and all of that, he was a fucking pussy. And it just it irked me throughout the entire movie, even from the time I was a kid. I'm like, why would Andy have fallen for him? I don't get it. I don't understand. It's, you know, there was no chemistry there for one thing in the movie. They had no, in my opinion, absolutely no chemistry. But he yeah. was so, he he had just yeah he was weak and I just for her, for her being such a strong character I thought this is just a total mismatch she's you know she's strong and he's a weakling it's just not yeah, yeah it, it did not resonate with me but yeah I mean he's had a bunch of other roles which have been okay uh, he he's had some decent movies I mean he was in Saint Elmo's Fire which everybody uh-huh. kind of considers the Brat Pack movie. Yeah. Uh, he was in Weekend, we, Weekend Weekend at Bernie's. Oh, I hated that movie. <laughs> it wasn't bad. I mean, I, the, the concept bad. was goofy, and then the fact that yeah. they the fact they came back with a sequel again. I was oh, like, God. oh God! Yeah, yeah, that's a, yeah. Leave it alone. <laughs> you know, and here's my thing with Weekend at Bernie's. Okay, one, the body stiffens after a couple of hours. Exactly. How the hell were they able to get it to move around the way oh, they did for the totally. entire weekend? It was so far fetched. Yeah, it. Yeah. You know, uh, he was in Mannequin, which was uh-huh. – that was an okay uh-huh. 80s movie. It was yeah. – yeah, you know. Uh, and then he showed up in Lipstick Jungle with uh, Brooke Shields on that TV series that was pretty much short-lived. I think he got you know, one, maybe two seasons at most or oh, one really? and a half seasons. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, a couple of people I do have to mention uh, because as soon as I saw him on the screen, he had a very small part in this movie, but – he was the bouncer outside of Cats. Yes, yes. Mention, yes. Andrew Dice Clay. That's right. You yes. Know, and, nice and, yep. You know, the guy The guy was made famous for being just completely offensive to women. And if you ever listen to a stand-up act, yeah, he oh, was absolutely. very raw. Oh, yeah. You know, but he was what he was. He wasn't pulling any punches. Even when he came back and did The Adventures of Ford Fairlane, which was, oh, God. I never saw that. But. Yeah, just you're better off not. I mean, he okay. he plays like this detective, and he basically plays himself mm-hmm. as this detective that's going through and trying to find out what's going on. He's got this he's got this whole New York, New Jersey attitude of you know. It, it, it sounds like he came straight from the Jersey Shore. Yeah, and yet he's the detective in Los Angeles <laughs> that knows all these stars, knows all these people. He's He's doing something where Wayne Newton, who's playing himself in the film, Wayne Newton is supposed to be some sort of bad guy mm-hmm. that, you know, his character Ford Fairlane is catching in this in this detective thing. Yeah. And he's like chasing he's like chasing porn stars and all this and Oh my god. There's a bunch of there's like a bunch of uh cameos that show up in this film. I mean, they got Gilbert Gottfried that shows up. That's another annoying asshole, but that's he- he was in. He was in Pretty in Pink. Uh, not in Pretty in Pink. In, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, Adventures of Ford okay. Fairlane. I'm sorry. Okay. I, let me let me backtrack, and we'll get back onto the topic here before I start taking more of a bird walk. Because this, <laughs> you know, I'm starting to I'm starting to have a complete derailment with this train of thought. So, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, we had that. 
we had a quick, you know, another quick glimpse of Christy Swanson again. Yes. She plays as yes. the duckette. I love that. That's actually my favorite scene. I have to interject. That was my favorite scene in this entire movie was the very end at the prom with Christy Swanson. That was so cute. It all, you know, it wasn't enough to like carry the whole movie and make me love it, but it was such a great scene with oh, her. Yeah. I loved it. Uh, now, a couple of other people. Th- there's two people here, two other people that I want to make quick mention of. Uh-huh. Uh, a guy named Simon, who apparently has an album in the Tracks record store when they're going through. Oh, really? Uh, his, his name is Dweezil Zappa. Yes, Dweezil Zappa. Frank yes. Zappa's son, who... That's right. You know, God help you. God help you, Dweezil. I'm sorry that your father Dweezil. named that. Obviously, he was on uh. drugs when he named you. Absolutely. And a little bit of trivia. Molly Ringwald was dating him during filming. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, now, one other person who I saw her and, oh, my God, she looked hot in this film. She still – I still kind of have this, you know, heartthrob moment for her even though she's older and she's gotten uh-huh. older and still looks pretty good as Gina Gershon. I was going to say, did you notice Gina Gershon in this? Yes. Yeah. She shows up not... in gym class there. Yeah, she was Lenny's Lenny's friend, the rich bitch Lenny's friend. Yes. And I and – I, saw that and I'm like she looks familiar who is that and I'm like is that mm-hmm. Carla Gugino and I'm like no who is that and then I finally I looked at the credits and I'm like Gina Gershon so she's one of those actresses that I know her face but I, her name did not come to me right away but yes she played she played one of the rich bitch friends yeah uh, I mean she's been in a lot of other things and I'm trying to oh, think yeah. there was there was a detective show that she was on on ABC for a while that came out I want to say either right before or right after uh, alias came out oh really and she was kind of supposed to be like the money behind this detective agency uh-huh. and the only thing i really remember is that she was kind of kind of slutty in the show <laughs> and the one episode that really stuck in my mind was that she had a hidden camera that was a nipple cam nice and she put it into her shirt and basically it stuck out you know both that you know she had two of them and they stuck mm-hmm. out from her shirt and looked like a falsy that you stuck in there to show that you had nipples. Oh, how funny. And, you know, she was doing it to get guys to stare at her boobs uh-huh. so that she could get the, the detective thing was so that they could record and see, match up the faces and whatnot. It was yes. It was a stupid concept. You know, <laughs> the, the whole show was kind of stupid, but obviously it got pulled and it wasn't very memorable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, you know, I don't know. This, this whole show, this whole movie, like I said, again, the cast... There were a lot of good cast members in this that have gone on to do other and better things. Yes. But the movie itself was was crap. It was crap. (laughs) Oh, my God. It just – okay, can we get started on the plot? Because I have – Yes. Oh, my God. This, to me, like, it just screams cheddar. It's just so cheesy. I – first of all, I have to – I take – I take issue with the title. Um, I'm poetic. I write poetry. I'm creative, but pretty in pink to me, that's just kind of cheesy. Um, it could have been named something different and it's my personal opinion that redheads don't really look good in pink generally. So that's kind of, you know, again, I, I pay attention to fashion. I pay attention to colors. I, you know, I could have been a fashion designer or an interior decorator in a former life. I don't know, but I don't think she looks good in pink. So, no, she just, definitely did not look fabulous. No, I just, I, 
with, with, with redheads, you're kind of limited in and especially redheads with brown eyes, in my opinion, you really, it's, it's a tough, you know, I like redheads with, you know, green eyes or blue eyes, but redheads with brown eyes, like Molly Ringwald, yeah. there's certain colors you have to stay away from. And I think pink is one of them. So I took issue with the title of the movie. I thought it was cheesy. And then just the fact that there was so much pink in this movie, it just, and again, I mean, it's called Pretty in Pink, so you expect there's going to be lots of pink imagery. But, I mean, it was over the top with the pink. I mean, yeah. she had a pink robe, and every scene she was wearing pink. She had a pink robe. She had a pink car. She had – I mean, there was just so much pink. It yeah, just, and I'm sure that that was imagery for a reason, but – Yes, it just – it got – and I love the color pink, but even I was like, okay, enough with the fucking pink. There yeah. was so much pink, and there was so much floral she was wearing pink and floral in every single scene, with the exception of the date scene where she was wearing that god-awful gray paisley outfit. But it yeah. just, yeah, very floral. And I, and I like floral, and I like pink. But it just, it was way overdone, I felt. Well, let's, let's uh, kind of talk here, since, we, since you said we wanted to mention the plot. Let's kind of give a quick rundown of what this movie yes. is about for anybody who hasn't seen it. Because oh, yes. I'll give you the rundown. Yes, I'm going to spoil it for you. But again, I'm going to save you from two hours, okay? <laughs> Here's the plot. Andy Walsh, she's she's a girl from the wrong side of the tracks, and they actually make a point of that in the film. Yes, uh, they do. She, she's a working-class girl. She and her friend Ducky are – basically, they're poor. They live on – you know, they live in the poor side of town. Yeah. Uh, she has a crush on one of the preppy boys in school who played by um, Andy McCarthy, Blaine McDonough. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, they try to get together. He kind of sees her. He comes into tracks. He's kind of flirting with her. They try to get together, and basically everybody in their receptive social circles kind of gives her gives each other shit. Yeah. Uh, you know, Steph gives Blaine shit. Uh, the girls, the girls at the school give Andy shit, and it's just kind of like okay, you know, yeah. going back and forth on this the entire time ducky keeps showing up and he keeps saying look i love you i love you you know yeah, i think we'd really be great together himself. you know yeah. let's let's go out let's hang out you know we'll go out i'll pick you up at one point he even she even has a date with blaine and he says look i'm going to come you know he kind of gets this feeling like blake blaine's not going to show up because he knows that hey he's you know out of his social circle yeah so he's like look i'm going to come pick you up i'll be here at seven o'clock i'll pick you up we'll go out on a date yeah. And he's persistent. He shows up that night, mm -hmm. goes to see them, and then Blaine shows up late. Yeah. And Molly's like, oh, my God, Blaine's here. And, and Ducky's like, gets all pissed off about it. He kind of gets bent out of shape. Mm-hmm. And so he, like, goes and he hangs out with, with uh, Annie Potts' character. Mm-hmm. And he ends up, like, sucking face with her and, and you know, and she's kind of like, okay, whatever. You know, and Blaine, yeah. Blaine ends up asking Andy the prom, and that really just kind of sets him off. And he's like, look, you know, this guy's scum, and he's an asshole and all that. And he's, you know, yeah. he's, he's out just to screw you over and everything. Yeah, he's a rich asshole just like all the others. And, you know, you're you're an idiot for going, you know, falling for him and not for me. And it was, you know, he did a good job portraying a teenage, you know, a teenager in that situation. You know, he yeah. was madly in love with her, and and I thought it was very believable. And I did have real sympathy for Ducky's character. You know, crying in the rain yeah. outside the record store and all that. You know, wanting wanting Andy so bad. 
you know, and not, it just, I, I identified with that. God knows I've been in that situation so many yeah. goddamn times. So I did identify with that. Even as an adult, I was like, oh, I felt really bad for Ducky. I'm like, he's such a good, decent, and he loves her and he cares about her and he's such a good person. And it just, you know, it, it broke my heart. I'm like, why can't she see beyond the goofiness? Why can't she see beyond you know, it just maybe psychologically, maybe she was looking for a rich guy to kind of get her out of the slum she was in. I don't know if maybe that has, you know, the, the money has some appeal there because she was smart. You know, I don't know if that was even I don't really think it was touched upon at all. But, you know, and maybe she felt like Ducky would not be able to provide for her and pull her out of that you know, poorness or whatever, but it just, from the get-go, and I wanted to ask you, the very first scene, you know, you can see, you know, Andrew McCarthy kind of checking Molly Ringwald out, and you kind of see that she, you know, he is a little interested in her, and then when he walks into the record store, when she's in there, and they had their little exchange there, you know, it was supposed to imply that there's like an obvious attraction there, but I thought it was creepy. I, yeah. Did you get, did you get that creepy vibe? I just... I got the feeling that they were trying to go for that. Hey, he's you know he's trying to hit on her and he's trying to flirt with her. But at the same time, I kind of got this creepy stalker vibe, like he was hanging yeah. around in the store because he, you know, the store. When you look at it, everybody who's in the store there and like the stuff that's on the walls and whatnot, it's punk and new wave and you know yeah. metal type stuff. And yeah. he's in there in you know he's looking like something straight out of Miami Vice. Absolutely, absolutely. He looks so out of place, and it's just like, oh, this is obvious that he's in there, in there for Andy. So yeah. there was that weird, creepy vibe of, okay, is he stalking her? But the interaction between the two of them, I think they were trying to imply an attraction, and I just didn't see it. I, yeah. I thought that she acted like she was loathing him. You know, just it just did not work for me. And every scene thereafter, when they were hanging out, it was just, I don't know if maybe they did not like each other or get along off camera. And it kind of came through in the filming, but I, the entire movie, it's, I thought to me, there's no real attraction here. It is not believable. And I'm not, and I'm not feeling it at all. Now between Ducky and, and Andy, it was totally there. Yeah. But between Andy and, and uh, Blaine, it was just like, oh, this is so feigned. This is so – they're trying too hard to pull these two together, and it's just – it's not working for me at all. No yeah. chemistry whatsoever. Well, and the whole thing, you know, I, I got to say this here because when James Spader is there and he kind of sees Blaine, he's talking to Blaine, he realizes what's going on that yeah. Blaine is trying to date Andy uh-huh. Steph starts stepping in and saying, well, you know, you really should just distance yourself. She's, you know, she's, she's poor nothing. white trash type stuff. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. and, you know, he's like, and so Blaine starts listening to him. But I got the feeling like it was kind of like these two guys really should have been lovers or something like that. Uh, it was weird. You know? It was so weird. It was like he was the bitch and he and and uh, yes. And Even, Steph was kind of the, the one, the dominant one, and Blaine was just kind of like, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, and just yeah, – I, I, it was weird. Yeah. And, and that whole scene where they had – where they're, they're at, they're at uh, Steph's house. Yes. And they're upstairs in the yes. bedroom sitting there talking, which I thought was really kind of fucking odd because – With his shirt off or unbuttoned. Yeah, yeah. Well, Steph is sitting there in his boxers. He's got his girlfriend who's – Who's she's wearing, you know, bra and panties and she's kissing all over him, basically saying, Hey, I want to have sex. And they're sitting there watching this whole thing. Oh, it was, I was so... like, What the hell is this? 
Yes. And you know what? That's another thing, too. I have to interject. One of the reasons I did not like the two of them together is because, okay, I'm sorry. You're a fucking asshole. If you're going to insist on bringing, you know, Andy, who he knows is looked down upon in, in his social circle, to that party, knowing that they're going to both get ripped apart. Well. And then obviously the entire the second that Andy gets in the door, I mean, you could tell she's mortified. She's she's upset. She I, and see, this there. is this is where I'm going to stop here right now because he didn't know that Steph knew Andy at that. Oh, at this point. okay, that's right, that's right. Because he did interrupt. Inter- they did kind of act like they didn't know each other. Nice to meet you, type of thing. That's true. And he did say, "I overestimated my friends. I'm sorry, but I'm sorry." Any gentleman would take a look at, at Andy's face and go, okay, you're really not comfortable with this. Let's find yeah. someplace else to go. Especially when they go that, upstairs and they're sitting here yes. trying to have a talk and Steph is like yes. doing this whole thing. And that scene with, with Steph and Blaine there, I'm going back uh-huh. and forth and thinking, he's doing this and it's like, I, I got the feeling like he was sitting there showing off to Blaine and going, hey, check out my body. Screw uh-huh. the bitch who's in bed with me. Screw the bitch that you're with. Come to me. And it was oh, just, the, oh, oh, oh. it was that whole weird, like I'm looking at him like, is this going to end up being a gay porn here in a minute? Oh my god! You know, I never got that vibe, but now that you mention it, it does. Like I said, it did seem kind of like Blaine was Steph's little bitch. It was really weird. But yeah, them sitting there and watching that. But just the look on Andy's face throughout the entire scene, she's miserable. He should have instead of insisting, "Hey, let's go upstairs," you know, and grabbing the pretzels and beer. He should have said, "You know what?" He should have been the gentleman, and he should have said, "You know what? I can see you're uncomfortable. Let's find someplace else to go." Yeah. So I. I took issue with that from the get-go. I'm like, this is your first fucking date. First of all, you're late and you don't fucking apologize. Secondly, you go to a party where she's obviously not wanting to be there and she's obviously uncomfortable and you force it until both of them get humiliated and he still doesn't get the fucking hint until it's too late. And then, you know, he made some crack where they go to her, you know, club or whatever. And he's like, we can go hang out with your friends and I can go crawl under a rock, you know. He was totally, you know, it was, I'm I'm watching this and I'm getting pissed off at Andy going, you're putting up with, you know, he's insulting you. He's insulting your friends saying he's going to go crawl under a rock by going and hanging out at at the places that you hang out in. You know, the whole night was a, a, a date from hell and it was absolutely awful and they tolerated it. And I don't, I know they were trying to like work, you know, progress and plow through it because they liked each other. There was a spark, whatever. I didn't see the spark, but I'm thinking to myself for such a strong, smart character. What a fucking idiot. I would have been like, you know what? The second he showed up late, I would have been like, you're fucking late. My friend Ducky's here. He came here, you know, first come first serve. We're going to, I'm going to go hang out with Ducky. Fuck you. Let's do it next weekend. You know, you, you lost out. That would have been me because you know what? My loyalty would have been to my life, you know, my lifelong friend. He's there. He obviously cares about me. He wants to hang out. You're late. Fuck you. So that's me. I, I took issue with the fact that she even went on the date with him in the first place. Um, just, you know, because yeah. I'm a strong character and I, and I've been disrespected many a times by men and that, you know, I have an older, wiser mentality about it now. And even at 16, 17, I probably would have done the same thing. I would have gone on that date, but yeah. I, I would have had enough sense to say, look, dude, I'm not comfortable at this party. Take me to go play mini golf. Take me to the goddamn movies. I don't want to be yeah. here. You know? So the whole date just pissed me off. I was pissed off at Andy. I was pissed off at Blaine for taking her there and then going and, 
you know, insulting where, you know, where she likes to hang out and whatever and insulting her friends. It just, it was just wrong. I just did not like it at all. Yeah. Uh, And then, you know, he asks her to the prom, which was sweet. And then I got to say their first kiss. Oh, my God. Even as a even as a kid, I'm like, this is so fucking gross. I'm nine, ten years old. And I'm like, I could kiss better than that. Jesus fucking Christ. It just it was so god awful. I can't even describe how god awful it was, but it was meant to be passionate and romantic. And I just looked at it and went, the technique is all wrong. The game is all wrong. It's just not right. (laughs) You know, if you're going to give a girl a good kiss, one, you know, you sit there and you kind of do the whole lip roll. If you're really good with it and you, you really like the girl and you're trying to tell her how much you like her, you might check the cheeks a little bit, you know, squeeze a little of the ass. That's mainly it. You know, uh, you don't go the way that, oh, here, me, 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 me. It was weird. Yeah, it was like he was, like, putting, I don't know how to describe it. It was like his lip movements were not kissing. They no. were like, I, lo- I like I was telling you yesterday, it it looks like he doesn't know how to kiss. And it, like This is just and, reinforcing in my head that Andrew McCarthy's character was gay. It's <laughs> that possible. he and Steph were supposed to be gay lovers. I mean, this is it's just reinforcing possible. it. It's just the thought that when I watched it again last night, because I've seen this movie, you know, several times throughout my childhood. And, but now that I'm a mother, it reminded me of how I kissed my daughters and how my daughters kissed me goodnight. Just yeah. a quick peck, you know, no open mouth. The lips kind of per, you know, pursed just a tiny bit, kind of tight a little bit, but no, no real lip movement. That's what it reminded me of. I'm like, oh my god, he's kissing Molly Ringwald, like my daughters kiss me. It just yeah. did not come off romantic in the least. And every single scene, because after that they they had a few other kissing scenes, and I watched each one of them and studied them, and it was the same deal. And I'm like, either he fucking yeah. hates her in real life, and he's tolerating this. Or he's gay, or something's going yeah. on, or he just doesn't—he doesn't have any game. I don't know, but it was so wrong, and and that added to the fact that there was no chemistry. It was not, it was not well done. <laughs> yeah. Well, to, to kind of finish up with the rest of this here, because we kind of find out Andy, you know, Andy goes to Iona to kind of cry on Iona's shoulder after everything happens, because Blake basically says after they after he's asked her to prom, he kind of says, you know what. I'm sorry. I forgot I asked somebody else and I promised them yes. to go instead. And yes. it was kind of like everybody knew that that was a dick move. You know, it was basically because oh. it was Steph telling him, don't go. You'll be better off. Yes. And he fucking lies to her. It's like she did not deserve that. That's another yeah. reason I hated his character. And, and, He's a fucking weak pussy. Tell yeah. her the goddamn truth. She begged him, tell me the truth. She knew exactly what the reason was. Yeah. She was not stupid. And he insulted her intelligence. That to me as a woman pissed me off. Don't fucking insult the woman's intelligence. You know, yeah. tell her the goddamn truth. Be a fucking man. And that is another reason that just I, I didn't have much like, you know, he wasn't likable to me at all. Oh. And I didn't I lost respect for that as well. It's just like, you know what? She's fallen for you. You know this. Give yeah. her honesty. Come on now. Well, it, you know? she gets so fed up with it. She's like, you know what? She goes to Andy. She goes to cry to Andy and Andy says or Iona and Andy yeah. goes to cry to Iona and says that all this and, you know, and, she says, you know, look, I'm gonna I've decided I'm gonna go to prom anyway. Screw that asshole. Yeah. I don't yeah. care if he's there. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna show up. I'm gonna show him what he could have had, and then I'm gonna turn around and leave. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, Okay, she borrows 
Iona's dress because Iona had yeah. this gorgeous dress that you know. Which should have been left alone. She should have just worn that dress. Yeah. You know, and she takes that dress plus the dress that her dad bought at a thrift shop, merges them together into this horrible uh, Franken, you know, Franken dress. Franken dress. It was god awful, wasn't it? Oh, my God. That dress, even at nine, I'm like, that is pure ugly. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I mean, it it gets to all this. (laughs) They go through all that. She decides she's going to show up there. And as she goes to walk into the door. Ducky sees her. He's like, you know, they they kind of have this whole thing that you know they meet up with each other. They give each other yeah. hugs. They because yeah. they had this whole falling out, and Ducky was kind of pissed off at her for going off with Blaine. Yes. And they decide, okay, we're here single. Let's walk in together. We'll make everybody I think, hey, we're this great sweet. thing. I did like that. Okay, you know. the prom scene at the very end. I did like the whole, with the exception of her ending up with you know Blaine at the end and kissing again. I, I did love the prom scene. I yeah. love that, you know, he, uh, that, you know, the Ducky was, Ducky was the man. Ducky was the one who, he loved her so much, he was willing to let her go. And yeah. I just, you know, that was something for me. I, I was able to forego all of the annoying parts of his character because it showed at the end there, he was willing to give her up. And it just, it warmed my heart. It was so sweet. But yeah, they walked into the prom together. And I loved that, that they had made up before that, you know, and oh. it was a really touching reunited, yeah. you know, re- and what, I loved that. Now, what gets me about this, this prom scene, she goes in, she sees him, she sees Blaine sitting there. Uh-huh. They talk about this. Blaine sees Steph. Steph comes over and talks to him. And of course, Steph is dealing with the whole, hey, we should go up to the room with his girlfriend. Yes, you know, Because yes. it's a suite. It costs $300 a night, which at that time, that was a lot of money. That was a lot of money, yeah. You know, so, but he's like going on about that, and I'm kind of like, you're an asshole. Fucking and he, asshole. You know, Blaine comes over and he tells him, and he finally goes, I know what the problem is. You wanted Andy, and you couldn't have her, you couldn't buy her. So he that's why you're shit. all pissed off. Uh, Oh, that wasn't that a great, that was a great scene. And that was something that I, that was the only scene in that movie where I felt that, that Blaine finally got some balls. And I loved that. I was like, you know what? You finally stood up for yourself. You stood up for Andy. You you defended her honor and you told your best quote unquote best buddy off. And that was awesome. I have to. Yeah. You know, but again, I, you know, again, still looking at it. I still thought that he was going to like do this whole bitch slap thing with him. You know, oh my God! Uh-huh. You were doing this. That's what it was. You're not really, you're not really gay. You're straight. Oh my God! You know, I expected uh-huh. something like that to come out. Yeah, there you was know. still a weird, a weird gay vibe there going you on. Know, weird just codependent gay vibe. Yeah. I totally got that too. But I, that was something. Like I said, the, everything that happened at that prom, with the exception of Andy and Blaine getting together at the end, I, I did like. Um, yeah. And yeah, I love well, how he told stuff off in the end and. That that was awesome. However, I thought it was too little, too late, in my opinion. Yeah, and that was the whole thing that pissed me off was that they you see John Cryer and he kind of goes, "Well, you know, I'm not going to give you this. Is going to be the only time I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to ever take you to prom again if you don't go <laughs> after him." And it was kind of yeah. like, "Really, dude? What the hell, dude?" And I was I just kind of like, you know, you have the girl finally. She's, you know, she's happy with you. You yeah. know, and I was just like Molly Ringwald, what the. F- fuck were you thinking just oh, oh well you know this is the guy i love so i'm gonna run off with him and oh. they go off they end up kissing in the parking lot and it's kind of like they have this whole happily ever after type bullshit at the very end oh, and God. ducky ducky sees his girl that you know okay well she she kind of has the hots for him yeah and i was just kind of like 
You know, it's like they threw him a bone at the very end to say, here, they did. done. They, you know. Which was kind of sad, but kind of sweet at the same time, because Christy Swanson was a gorgeous girl, you yeah. know, and I'm glad that they, I'm glad that they did give him that. And I love, I have to interject, um, how he did look into the camera, which I guess sort of broke the fourth wall, but yeah. there was that where, you know, after Andy goes off and he see, you know, he sees Christy Swanson checking him out, and then he looks into the camera and smiles and then makes a beeline for her. I thought that was adorable. Kind of like, hey, I, I'm finally going to get a piece of ass. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and she's pretty cool. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I love that. I love that John Hughes threw him a bone at the end because he deserved it. He was such a good character, good, kind-hearted, you know, and ultimately, as pissed off as I was about Andy falling for Blaine, it would not have worked, I don't think, because if she, if they had ended up together, as much as I and most girls who and people who saw this movie wanted Andy and Ducky to get together, it wouldn't have worked because she she did for whatever reason she did fall in love with Blaine, so it wouldn't have yeah. worked anyway. Well, I just I just didn't think it worked. I really didn't. Here's I, I'm going to kind of tell you. I'm going to kind of delve into some of my trivia here a bit. Yeah. Uh, I am going to tell you this. To kind of make you feel better, <laughs> the original ending for this film actually did have Ducky getting the girl. I thought so. Okay. And, they didn't, and test audiences didn't like it, huh? Yeah, they, they basically said, no, we want Blaine, to, Blaine and Andy oh. to end up. This is oh. where you have to kind of say, fuck you, test audiences. Yes, you know? I think it would have worked better. It was more believable. Oh, well, man. here's the problem is that when they did the first time, when they filmed the ending with, with her and Ducky, Molly Ringwald was she was sick, so she looked like crap. Uh-huh. Uh, John Hughes he really wasn't satisfied with the editing and the way that it kind of came together for it. Uh-huh. He was also kind of concerned that audiences would really take the original ending as a message saying that poor people and rich people shouldn't belong together. Oh, oh. Okay, you know uh-huh. what? Yeah, that is life. Yeah. Okay, yeah. trying to marry outside of your class. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. You want to do that? You want to believe that? Yes. It doesn't happen. Yeah. Okay. Reality is you can't always get what you want. Very you know, true. thank you, Mick Jagger. You can't always get what you want. But <laughs> if you try, sometimes you'll get what you need. Exactly. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so I mean, that's kind of really how it worked out. Uh, he wasn't unhappy with this ending here. He did want Andy to get together with Ducky. Uh, when he had the ending, the, the current ending, you know, the, the new ending forced on him by the studio. Uh, uh-huh. He kind of said, you know what, fuck you to the studios. And he virtually made the same film all over again uh, the following year with some kind of wonderful, which I, is yeah. basically a similar love triangle. Uh-huh. Uh, he wanted Molly Ringwald to start in as well. This is kind of where they split. She oh. refused. Hughes took it personally, and they uh, basically ended their working relationship, and they oh, never worked really? together again from this. He wanted Molly Ringwald for some kind of wonderful. Yeah, he wanted her. Of- Instead of Mary Stuart Masterson? Yes. Oh, really? And oh, she kind of said, no, I want to get away and I want to start doing yeah. you know, more adult roles. Yeah. And so that's kind of where it ended. It was kind of like, well, this is shit. So, yeah. you know, uh, but they, you know, they went through all that. And now with the ending having been, having had to be reshot, well, mm-hmm. they had to reshoot it here all as this, you know, Blaine and Andy getting together. Yeah. All of the principal actors had to be called back. Uh-huh. Well, there's a problem with this. If you look closely, Andrew McCarthy, he'd already lost a bunch of weight because he was uh-huh. doing a New York play called The Boys of Winter. 
and yes. he'd shaved his head. Yeah, so he had to stick this wig on him. Yes, and if you look, I you can totally that. tell. Oh, totally. I was going to mention that in my trivia too. That uh, that was something I learned a long time ago. He was bald, and so they put a wig on him for the prom scene, and it's so yeah. obvious too. I mean, it looks like a bad uh, toupee on his head. Oh, I'm just like, oh, awful. it's awful. Yeah. So, but yeah, so now funny. this film here. I last bit of trivia that I have here. Uh-huh. The film, like other, like most of the other John Hughes films, it's set in Illinois, Shermer, Illinois. Oh, is uh, it set in Shermer? Well, I, I, I shouldn't say Shermer. I didn't actually find out what the name of the town is. I'm assuming it's Shermer because yeah, everything else that like... he's done is Shermer, Illinois. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all the high school scenes, however, were filmed actually at John Marshall High, uh, where a few of the scenes at Gre- in Greece were filmed. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. The end of the film, basically in Greece, at the end of the film where the carnival occurred, uh-huh. uh, that's where you see – that's John uh, That's John Marshall High. It's actually out in uh, – it's out here in L.A. area. Uh-huh. Uh, it's – I want to say you can actually see if you look closely in – the, in the Greece films when you see it, if you look closely, you can see Griffith Park Observatory. Oh, wow. Did not uh, know that. Yeah. Most of the other scenes for uh, Greece were filmed out at Venice High School. Pretty in mm-hmm. Pink was not filmed there, though. So there. Oh. So if you start seeing, you know, if you start thinking, well, it was all the same thing. No, no, it wasn't. Yeah. It was. Oh. They they filmed at two different schools. John Marshall High happened to be where they filmed uh, Pretty in Pink and some scenes from Greece. Mm-hmm. Very so cool. That's my last little bit of trivia. If you have anything more on this hated film, go right ahead. <laughs> to tear apart the fashion for one thing but i do have a little bit um did you happen to notice the license plate on andy's car no i know it was a car a pink carmen Ghia, but that's about it i was gonna ask you i didn't, I didn't know if it was a rolls royce if it i didn't know what the hell that was it looked familiar but it, yeah um and i don't know what this means i didn't go so far as to research it but the license plate was p9c405 or 40s um, so I have no idea what that means. We might have to research that. Um, but that was the only license plate I got in this. Um, and I'm trying to think, yeah, other than, yeah, Molly Ringwald was dating Dweezil Zappa at the time. And there was a little bit that I had picked up in an interview where the kissing scenes, the God awful hated kissing scenes between her and Blaine, uh, Dweezil was none too happy with. Um, yeah, I wonder why. Under, exactly. Exactly. Well, part of it was that Molly had actually admitted to having a little bit of a crush on Andrew McCarthy at that time. And apparently, I don't know what was going on, if she was looking like if she was seriously interested in him. But there was something where she had said that Andrew McCarthy and her did actually have a date and he stood her up. So I don't know if maybe she was going behind Dweezil's back or maybe she and Dweezil had broken up during filming and she was going after Andrew. But You realize that all this is just enforcing in my head that Andrew McCarthy is gay. <laughs> oh, God, I know. He's actually married and she actually said in the interview, she's like, yeah, I don't know. If, I think that he draw, I think that he dumped me and, and or dropped me and didn't come, you know, go out with me because he was he went out with his future wife. And I, he, she just kind of made a joke about it. Oh, yeah. Um, I was just like, oh, so maybe she was two-timing Dweezil with, you know, or wanting to two-time Dweezil with Andrew. I don't know, but it's an interesting dynamic. But hey, he was she was a- going for that threesome. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I don't know. But it just, yeah, Dweezil got that name. Just, oh. But um, I'm trying to think. What else? Um, yeah, obviously the wig, um, Blaine's w- wig at the end, which was so obvious. I didn't know as a kid watching it, but then when I found out that little bit, I'm like, oh, my God, that's such a toupee. Oh, so bad. So bad. Yeah. Uh, and, oh, the teacher, you forgot to, I don't know if you noticed this, um, the teacher 
in the scene where she's in class and she's taking notes and the rich bitches are checking, you know, staring at her and making fun of her outfit. Uh, Gina Gershon and the other blonde girl making fun yeah, of her outfit. Uh, wasn't the uh, teacher, um, oh God, not Blythe Danner. No, her name is Margaret Collin. And she was um, the only other, I am sure she's been in other things, but the first thing I thought of was I'm like, that, that woman looks familiar. Where have I seen her before? She played Tom Selleck's girlfriend in Three Men and a Baby. That's right. Uh, That's yes, where it was. And I, that was what I was looking at. I'm going, where have I seen her before? Where have I seen her before? And it just kind of hit me. I'm like, wait a minute, three men and a baby. And I didn't know her name, but her name is Margaret Collin. So I wanted to mention that. Um, and I don't know what her resume is, if she's been in any other things. But um, so that kind of struck me. And that was also the same scene where I saw Gina Gershon. And I'm like, where, who, who is that? I know who that is. I know who that is. Yeah. And I, I couldn't place her name. Um, so that's some trivia. Um, oh, and Annie Potts's rubber dress. She had done an interview and she was talking about the movie and how uncomfortable that dress was. Cause at first I thought it was pleather, but it right. was actually rubber. And she said it was so horrible to wear. She could barely move. She could barely take a piss. She could barely do anything. And yep. they insisted on it because of her character. That was her first scene. And yeah, to kind of imply, you know, to give off the vibe about the record store and her character being kind of over the top. Um, and she put, she put up a fight. I don't want to wear this. I don't want to wear this. So what they did was they cut out, if you, they, they show a couple of scenes of her back and they cut out part of her t-shirt and part of the dress to give her some breathing room and some wiggle room because it right. was so tight. She said it was basically like wearing a gigantic rubber band all over her body. Yep. And so, she, so she couldn't even like bend over. So they cut out a big segment, a big oval on her back. And when she mentioned that, and I, I looked at the movie again, I'm like, Oh my God, it's there. How funny. Well, and, cause I remember seeing it. And I thought this is an odd looking dress. I mean, along the back yeah. when she turned around, I'm like, that's odd, but okay. Very odd, you know, I, but yeah, now we understand why she needed to have some way to move and, and yeah. it's like, Oh my God. Um, and I'm trying to think, um, let me see. What other trivia do I have? I just have a lot of like fucked up observations. Um, not a lot of trivia really. Um, let me see. Uh, well, no. I, I, I will mention with the fashion because we did kind of touch on it earlier. Yes. Let's talk about the fashion, the, the monstrosity and the – yes. Okay. Ugh. When you first see John Cryer, you, when you first see Ducky and you see Molly Ringwald, you see Andy walking down the hall in, in the uh, first everything, I took one look and go, holy shit, he looks just like her because she's wearing the same type of hat as what he yes! is. Yes, I saw that too. I, and yeah. all I could think was – it's a boy version of Andy. What uh -huh. the fuck? I think this that was creepy. his way of kind of idolizing Andy. It was his way of outwardly showing that he loved her, I think, was just kind of dressing like her a little bit. Yeah. That's my take on it. Yeah. It was just really creepy. That, and it then was very creepy. The other part that was creepy to me was when they're driving home. Uh -huh. Okay. This is something that would have pissed me off to no end. Uh huh. I would have slapped the shit out of him had he done this to me. Driving home, he he's driving. She's driving him home after they leave. Cats. Uh, yes, and they're going down the in the rich neighborhood or whatever. And he starts changing all the. He starts fast forwarding through all the songs. He's like, "Oh, this song sucks. This song sucks." I'm like, "Yeah." I would have slapped the shit out of him and said, "Stop that right now! You don't touch the tunes." Yeah, 
like, well, that's, yeah, exactly. And she was, she was so caught up in the homes and just checking out the neighborhoods and stuff. And you kind of got a glimpse of, you know, just how, how poor they really were, which that's something else too. I know he was trying to like, you know, just, I got a similar vibe in this movie like I did in 16 Candles in the sense of all the rich, cool kids looked like they were in their mid twenties dressed totally like adults. Like, I'm sorry, who like Steph's care, you know, James Spader, Steph coming to high school in a fucking linen suit, like AKA Miami vice. What the fuck? Driving a Porsche. And I would, I would be willing to bet that that was the same Porsche that was used in 16 candles. I would be willing to bet that too, but I'm going a linen suit really. And then Blaine coming to school with, you know, his was better, you know, khakis and a button down, Yeah, but it's just like, I get Miami Vice was popular at the time, but come on, guys. Oh, come on. In high school, I mean, even as a kid, I'm like, this looks like a fucking teacher. It does not look like a high school senior. I'm sorry. Yeah. So once again, John Hughes, I feel, I feel that in general, he tapped into the high, the high school vibe, the you know teenage psyche very well, and he represented them very honestly, with the exception of how he portrayed the rich, sophisticated kids as being like all, uh, you know, overdressed and, and overdone and adult-like. And then again, I thought Molly Ringwald and John Cryer were age appropriate. I, I don't know. It, it just seems to be kind of a staple in his, in his teen movies here where he's making the, you know, Molly, the main characters. Un, not, I mean, and actually I kind of thought that Andy was pretty sophisticated in this and how she put her outfits together. Um, but they were age appropriate. But yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, a linen suit. It just, oh God, it bugged me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just he made the rich kids, yeah, just so, and even the the rich girls, um, with their blouses and their pearls and all that. And I'm just like, uh, okay, and let me stop there. Uh, when have you ever known a girl to wear pearls to school? Exactly. Exactly. I'm like, this is not in in the blouses and all that. And given this is mid eighties, but even still, I'm just like, no. Okay. I'm sorry. There's ways of portraying richness. They could have had like a really like a Gucci bag or, you know, some really, you know, expensive jeans. And, you know, there's ways they could have made it to where these looked like high school students that had money. And I, I felt that it was kind of overdone in terms of what they caught, you know, the costumes yeah. were good, but yeah. Throw, in them, some in, ways, throw them into some guests and Jordache jeans yes, and, you know, throw some yes. members only jackets on them and boom. Yeah. And I, I don't know if John Hughes was against product placement, but I noticed that that's something in his movies that he did not tend to do very much. Yeah. Uh, and in this one, it almost seems like it kind of screamed for it. You know, it just, pearls and like a silk blouse really i just (laughs) you know i just didn't get it um and yeah i the main thing as much as i i did like ducky's character for the most part but the one word that's screaming out at me is creepy he just he i liked him because he ultimately he was a good man a good boy you know a good person yeah he really loved andy but he was so creepy like leaving the multiple messages on her answering machine hey it's you know six Five, hi at 628 call me back hi at 635 call me back now for me i had a few hangers on like that and i told them knock this shit off you know yeah. again for her being a strong character you know i'm just thinking jesus fucking christ she is you know maybe she felt sorry for him maybe she didn't want to hurt his feelings and i get that but i had friends like that and it's like 
fuck you. Go take a shower. Go eat something. Go play a video game. Leave me the fuck alone for 15 minutes. Don't call me for another, you know, don't call me. If you don't hear from me in an hour, assume I'm busy. You know, I just had, a, I took a little bit of an issue with, she just kind of rolled her eyes and was going, playing through the messages. And I'm going, that would have pissed yeah. me off, you know, it just, and then the writing by her, by, by her house on his bike, you know, there's a couple of scenes where he's riding by her house. He goes oh, and yeah. talks. He goes and talks to her dad about how he loves her and wants to marry her and all this. And I'm just thinking, Andy had a responsibility to tell Ducky, look, I love you as a friend. You're my buddy, but I don't feel that way about you. Please find somebody else. Yeah. So kind of, I kind of felt a little angry that Andy didn't do that, that she wasn't strong enough to say, you know, even if she you know, was afraid of hurting his feelings, whatever the reason was, she, you know, and I've, I've had to be in a position of doing that with some yeah. of my guy friends. I'm sorry. I don't feel the same way. I have to, you know, I have to be honest here. I think that you need to go find somebody else, but we'll always be friends. And I always, and I, I love you and I care about you. And that's what I think that Andy should have done. Um, so I took issue with that. I took issue with the stalking crap. Yeah. And, and I think he even stalked her in front of the club and he was with Andrew Dice Clay. You know, yeah. it just, he was following her around like a fucking puppy and she should have said something. Yeah, um, just I mean, there were there were a lot of things that were just kind of like, look, this is getting really kind of creepy. Stage four creepy. Very, yeah. You, I thought the same thing. Ducky towards his reactions to Andy, and then Blaine with his reactions to Steph. It was just very. I got an overwhelming sense of creepiness in this movie. <laughs> yeah. It just, yeah. I, I don't know. I, while I think a lot of it was sweet. In terms of, you know, like when he went and, and uh, when Ducky went and talked to Andy's dad, that was sweet. But even still, uh, you know, I'm sure the dad told her, yeah, Ducky came over and talked about wanting to marry you, whatever. She had to have an idea. And it almost was like, was she oblivious to how he felt about her? I don't think she was oblivious, but she just kind of blew him off and didn't take him yeah. seriously. And that's where I kind of felt like, oh, you know, you had a responsibility to tell him and to let him down you know, gently. Um, so yeah, there was the, the interactions between the characters in this movie really kind of bothered me. It just, it just didn't work. Um, yeah. and I, I do, I do say, uh, there's a scene where right before, I think it was the same, um, scene, but right before the date where he comes into tracks and he's lip syncing some weird Otis song. I thought that was bizarre. Um, oh, I do have a bit of trivia about that. That scene where he dances to and lip syncs to that song in uh -huh. tracks. He was wearing um, these white, like, low, I don't really know what kind of shoes, like slip-on shoes. Um, mm -hmm. And he was saying, I saw an interview, and he was talking about how those shoes were, like, two or three sizes too small. But they had, <laughs> gone, they had, gone, they had gone from, like, uh, like, thrift store to thrift store, and they were trying to find just the right shoe for Ducky. And those were the ones, for whatever reason, the costume designer picked. And even though they, and they picked out, I, I think there was two of that same kind of shoe, and they were both too small. So he said, basically, in that scene in particular, you can see where, as he's dancing and climbing up the stairs and going down that you can see that the seams are ripping in the scene. And I actually looked for it, and you can see in the back, um, the shoes are literally ripping as he's dancing. And he no. said it was so painful, and uh, he just he hated it. He's like, oh, my God, these were god-awful shoes, but it, it made the character, it defined the character, so I went with it. But, my God, my feet were just in agony. And they had to actually sew up the shoes in between scenes. Um, but well, yeah, I thought that was creepy too. Just why are you going in there and lip syncing for your friend? Uh... Now, weren't those <laughs> shoes the same shoes that he was wearing at the very end at the prom? Yes, 
Okay, because exactly. I, I remember he's like, well, you know, she's like, well, you look, you clean up nice. And he goes, yeah, well, I got to have a little something that's still me, Ducky. Yes. And, and I look down and it's these dirty ass shoes. It's like, okay. Yes. I think he wore those throughout the, throughout the movie. And he said it was so painful because they were like two or three sizes too small. And he was forced into them in like every scene. And I, I feel bad for him. But I, I, what I do like about that scene is, you know, he had a cute, you know, a couple of one-liners that were really cute. Let's plow. You know, do I open? Yes. You know, I thought that was cute. You know, he had a cute little sense of humor. Um, but, yeah, it just uh, it just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. It just, I, I don't know. I, he went, I just he like went too over the top to try to get her affections. He should have stopped at the get go. It, it, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to say that I hate this movie because I, I feel that hate is a very strong word for it this. Is. Yeah. Uh, the, if if I'm going to say I hate anything, that'll be when I start talking about you know Challenge of the GoBots and how I much I hate. And, that, but, uh, <sighs> it's a Transformers <laughs> ripoff and. and <laughs> If you ever, you know, I'm just going to save you from it. Don't ever watch it. Okay. <laughs> it's to to quote Clerks 2, uh, or to paraphrase it, I should say. Basically, they say that the, the GoBots are the Kmart blue light special of Transformers. Okay. Uh, yeah. And yeah. really, it's kind of like it's a poor man's Transformers. It was shitty. <laughs> oh, so, God. Oh, God. Um, as far as the... Um... Oh, actually, you know, another thing, too, I don't know if you caught this, when they're in that scene we were talking about when they're driving home um, and they're going through the rich neighborhood. I thought it was cute when she was, she was talking about a house and she was, you know, they were admiring it or whatever. He was looking for the songs and she was admiring this house. Right. And, and uh, he called it a nice little crib. And I thought that was cute. I was like, you know what? We still use the term crib to this day. Yeah. <laughs> to describe a house. I don't know if you caught that, but I was like, I wonder if that kind of spawned the word crib describing a house might uh, very well have i mean it wouldn't yeah, surprise me yeah i thought it was cute i'm like he called it a crib you know how, how cute you know yeah um but yeah fashion wise oh my god okay we already talked about the prom dress that was a monstrosity cool she made it herself and i don't know if she actually did it looked like she did i, I mean it didn't show her at the sewing machine it showed somebody at a sewing machine it showed her ripping the seams it showed her drawing it out but, you know, and I give her props for making it, but it was god awful. Um, pink was definitely not her color. And I noticed that in a lot of the scenes, too, you know, we were talking about the rich kids wearing pearls. She wore a, bro or a brooch in like almost every single scene. And I thought that was weird. I'm like, I'd never seen a 16, 17 year old girl wear a brooch. I just, nah, a brooch. I just never. The only thing I can figure is that it might have been her mom's because her oh. mom left them. Oh, you know, that's that was, there was that whole fight between her and her dad that, you know, mom's never coming back. She's left us. And he's like, but I loved her. You know, this is why I am the way I am. And I'm a, yeah. such a mess. And yeah, I just thought it was kind of a weird, like uh, almost too grown up odd fashions and and actually i liked a lot of her clothing i thought you know like the you know floral socks and the skirts and the blouses and but she almost was all was too overdressed for school just like the other kids i didn't see you know when i first saw it as a kid i thought you know she doesn't come off as being poor to me it did not the, the whole poor vibe did not really resonate with me i don't know about you she had a car you know right then and there i mean i didn't have a car in high school you know, there was just certain things that I was like, huh, you know, in the house, yes, it was small, 
but it really wasn't terrible. It wasn't like a shack or anything. Um, so I thought it was, you know, maybe they were just trying to give Andy a little bit of respect, the character, you know, and the family a little bit of respect. But I, you know, I, I could see in Ducky, they, they flashed in on his bedroom at one point and he was like sleeping on a, like a air mattress on the floor. You know, you could tell he obviously, you know, his bedroom was pretty, um, sparse and pretty, you know, yeah. He, you could tell there was not much there in the way well, of furniture. And the way that their clothes looked, it actually did look like they shopped out of a thrift store. It did. It did. Um, but I thought it was very well done. I thought it was very pretty, very eclectic. Um, again, a lot of floral, a lot of pink, you know, dangly earrings. But it didn't, it didn't scream poor to me necessarily, which was weird. Um, but I love how he called it, you know, in the beginning. They were talking, walking to class, and they both had the same hats. And he's like, oh, you've got a, volcan- a volcanic ensemble going on there. I thought that was cute, yeah. you know. Um, but, you know, I did like Andy's character, the fact that she was strong and she made her own clothes and, there, and she was smart. And, but I just, you know, part of me does feel like I sh- you know, I'm, part of me is Team Ducky. I wish that she had gone for him. Um, but I can also understand the practical side of me thinking, okay, this probably isn't very believable if they did end up together anyway. So I can see why they scrapped it. But overall, my general assumption of this movie, a lot of creepy moments, um, and it just did not resonate with me. Yeah, I mean, my, my general thoughts again, Andrew McCarthy and James Spader were gay. They were gay yes. lovers who, who had yes. a spat. You know, oh, yes. <laughs> it, it's becoming more and more painfully obvious as I keep flashing back on this movie. Uh-huh. Um, Annie, Annie was an idiot, you know. Uh-huh. She yes. had a great guy in front of her who she should have ended up with, and gee, because the test audiences didn't like it. Oh well, now this is how we're going to go with it. You know, sometimes, yeah. so, sometimes you know, John Hughes, God rest your soul, because I know you've passed. Yeah, but you should have had a pair of balls for this and told the studio, "Screw you." Yeah, I think so, and I'm curious. I am curious about how it would have gone over if I would have liked the movie more, if that would have been what it would have taken to make me like the movie. However, I did not like James Spader and I did not like Andrew McCarthy anyway. Um, So, and like I said, the creepy factor in this was pretty strong. So I don't even know really, it would have, it would have improved my liking of the movie, but I don't know if I really would have, if it really would have changed my feelings too much about it. I mean, I did think that they should have ended up together, but it just, yeah, it just did not work for me. The chemistry wasn't there where it should have been. Um, the outfits, well, you know, while they did a good job with the costuming, it was still kind of way overdone over the top. Um, just, yeah, I, <laughs> this yeah. was a bad, this was a bad cheesy movie. It, you know, it is what it is. And that's all I can say about it. Mm-hmm. Not one so. of John Hughes's favorite. Uh, well, I I think we're pretty much done with this, unless you have yep. anything else you want to toss under the bus for this. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I'm done. <laughs> All right. So we'll go ahead and we'll sign out here. I uh, want to say that this wraps it up for this episode of Talking About My Generation. Uh, mm-hmm. Please feel free to leave us feedback on iTunes. We really would appreciate that because it does help us in the ratings. Uh, you can send us a tweet here. I am at S-P-R-Z-O-U-T. And Eva, you have yours. Uh-huh. I am at mommy of three seagirls. Okay. Uh, you can also send us an email at mygenerationpodcast at gmail.com. 
You can find us on Facebook at Talking About My Generation. Uh, and you can also uh, visit our website at MyGenerationPodcast.com. And you can leave us feedback there. You can listen to us on Stitcher. You can stream from the website itself if you want. Uh, so I do want to thank you here, and we'll go ahead and we'll sign off this episode. Uh, I haven't really decided what song I'm going to go with yet. So I, I think, Eva, you had suggested Pretty in Pink, so I might go with yep. that. Uh-huh, by the Psychedelic Furs. Uh-huh. Caroline loves and it's raining all day. She loves to be one of the girls. She lives in the place in the side of our lives where nothing is ever put straight. Yeah.